How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we will share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track from managing your motivation, workload, and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. Basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Aha! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. What do you do, baby? Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executive in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. <laughs> awkward to even talk about them. Can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Sam Amick, NBA Insider from The Athletic. We're doing the video thing yet again. Yet again, another good guest this week here, as always, with my guy Joe Varden out in Cleveland. But Rich Kleiman, uh, Kevin Durant's business manager and agent, executive producer of In the Water, uh, PG County, a look at the basketball prowess of one of the uh, kind of underknown places in this country that pumps out big-time basketball prospects. Rich, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on, man. Um, I'm a fan of this podcast, so I'm gonna. I'm excited to be on. Don't lie to us, man. We'll we'll give you trivia. We'll, no, we'll ask you about it. It's an exclusive. Yeah, we'll <laughs> All right. Well, so do me this favor. Don't give me any trivia. I'm not lying okay. to you. But now that <laughs> now that I am, that um, means you are lying to us. No, I'm not lying. I might have just exaggerated a bit. Maybe fan. Maybe not big fan. <laughs> So I've been trying to like, I've been doing research on other podcasts. So I could be stealing okay. from you guys right before we launch our own podcast network. I'm not going to lie, man. We've had a good run once the, the pandemic hit. Obviously, games come to an end on March 11th. It's a trip from a podcasting standpoint because it, it certainly it changes the game a little bit. Because Joe and I, when there's games, when there's action, Joe and I would typically just bullshit and talk and, and talk about the latest news within the league. And now, honestly, it's been fun because you, you get folks on, you go down memory lane, you talk about projects like the one you're doing and it's a different vibe. So I've enjoyed it. Um, and again, you know, let's jump in. I, I'm happy to have you on here. There's a bunch of directions that we wanted to go down, but I know on your side for sure, excitement about what you guys are releasing on May 15th. It, it's funny, Rich, cause your timing's pretty good. It's a Showtime doc. Uh, you've got the last dance kind of nearing its end on the ESPN side where the whole entire basketball world is is glued to that. Tell us about this project, which, again, is, is you know going to be out real soon. Uh, how long y'all been working on it? I know Kevin is also an executive producer. For anybody who hasn't heard about it, what are we talking about here? Yeah, um, and to your point, like it's been an interesting time because, you know, you hate to – ever characterize this period in our life right now as a good opportunity to do something. Um, But, you know, with the exception of trying to be as philanthropic as we could be in the last two months, which has been at the top of our mind and trying to give back both in 
DC area, New York, nationwide, as a media platform in the in the boardroom sense, we were constantly churning out content. And then from some of our kind of docs and series, we were fortunate that a lot of the kind of finishing touches and the work that was needed to be done to get it to release is something you could still do in quarantine. So the last, let's say, eight weeks, we've been really hard at work in finalizing this documentary, Basketball County. We ended up bringing an incredible music supervisor on that added like a whole new layer. Uh, he's also from the county, so it's just like another reflection of how much talent comes out of that area. And, you know, I think people really enjoy it. I think it's like, you know, for Kevin, you know, Sam, like his hometown is as important to him as anything. And I think every right. athlete to a degree shares that. But Kevin has always harped on it. You know, it's like the first few lines of his MVP speech was about just being a kid from C. Pleasant, similar to when he first won his championship with the Warriors. And as a charity, all we do is focus on how to help the community he grew up in. Um, so this documentary at first was like a gift back to the county. I mean, I think it was a story that needed to be told. It's not a small part of Maryland. It's an actual, actually, it's an incredibly large county, but it's not very well known and especially not known for the amount of talent that it's put out in the last 20 some odd years, longer, but really in the last 20, 25 years in right. men's basketball, women's basketball, football. So we really just took a look at um, a little bit of the history of the county, um, some of the reasons why we think the amount of basketball players that have come from this county is in such abundance, and then also leave it open to imagination, to you know the idea that maybe it's just in the water and there really is no explanation for how many players have come from that county. But there's incredible moments that I think um, you guys, when you see it, you'll be like, I didn't even realize that this happened there or this happened there or he was from there. Then you talk about the Len Bias tragedy, uh, Morgan Wooten and his kind of impact on basketball from that county. And it's really just an incredible story. And, uh, you know, I, I think our biggest goal is that people in the county love it. Um, but like you said, you know, we're at a time now where people are consuming content more than ever. So if we are able to get a bigger audience than maybe we normally would have gotten, and that ends up being a benefit and that the county really gets praise that it's due, um, you know, then it'll all be really worth it. But, um, May 15th, 8 o'clock, showtime. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like a nice, easy watch. It's 50 minutes. We don't have 10 parts. You don't have to wait until the next Sunday. We're just, <laughs> we're just done after 50 minutes. But um, it should be a lot of fun. Real quick, I, I know Joe wants to jump in, but to put some more faces and names on it, let me uh, throw a few names at you, and, and you can keep the list going So because I'm sure I'm just scratched on the surface. I got Adrian Danley. You mentioned Len Bias, Marco Fultz, Victor Oladipo, Jeff Green. Quinn Cook, Ty Lawson, a lot of those guys on the back end of the list with with ties to Kevin and when he was coming up. Uh, who else are we talking about here when you guys break it down? Uh, Steve Francis, Danny Ferry, um, Jerry and Grant, Jeremy Grant, um, man, Delonte West, and then Rebecca Brunson, Elena, Elena Beard, um, Navarro Bowman. I mean, it's unlimited. I mean, it's it's honestly, it's frightening when you really get into it. It's like every time I've spoken about it, I've, I'm forgetting some names. But I think sure. one of the things that also is evident in the film, and you can really see it in the parade that Kevin held in Seat Pleasant, where he sat in the car. It was like a ticker tape parade, but in the smallest form, you know, in a real kind of grassroots form in where Kevin grew up, exactly in Seat Pleasant. And... What I realized that day and really is emphasized in the movie is you almost needed 
not you didn't need, but what added to all of this was that now one of the greatest players ever has come from this county. And I think that people thought at the time Len Bias had potential and a trajectory like that, but obviously that right. was a tragedy. Um, there's been so many kind of street legends that never made it. There's been incredible D1 players and NBA players. But to make the whole story complete, you would hope that there would be somebody that transcends it all. And right. obviously Kevin did that, and now it's opened up the ability to tell stories about all these other guys and all these other women from the county. And when we did that parade, you could feel it. You could feel like, okay, now he came back home. He's doing this right. parade through Seed Pleasant, and now people can really focus on just how much talent lives in this county. Right. I think um, among the taglines for your for the documentary are something like three out of every ten thousand high school players make the NBA unless you're from this county. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. So do yeah. You, well, so so my question is, do you have any idea, like, able to, to qualify this? Um, is, is this per capita the the most uh, NBA players to come from any single region in the in the country? Do you know that? Um, we didn't. You know, it. I think the idea. We didn't dive deep, 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 deep analysis. What I will tell you is, I've looked at other counties that a we could possibly tell stories about afterwards. Um, and then B, just for some reference point, and none of them can you even do a third of the reeling off of names. Um, and that's both for men's, women's, and just D1 players, you know, the, the amount of D1 players that have come from there. And then these, like, incredible moments that mark the county. Now, obviously, if you went through New York City um, or L.A., you know, or Chicago, maybe you could find – you know, if you add up the D Wade's and Isaiah Thomas's, the difference being though, this wasn't DC, this wasn't the DMV in general. This was truly just Prince George's County. Um, <laughs> and the history of the county and just how people kind of pinpoint why they think this happened uh, is pretty special in the movie. And it, and it shows you some footage, like true documentary footage of um, things that were happening in the county, both during the time that Martin Luther King was assassinated. Um, during the time that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came and um, brought like a 78-game winning streak to DeMatha um, and ended up taking a loss there. And then I don't know if you guys remember the Capital Classic that was in the 80s and 90s where it was like all the best high school players in the country versus the D.C. Yep. players. And the D.C. players won six out of every 10 years or something like that. And it was like Michael Jordan played, Magic Johnson played, everybody played in this game. So it right. really just shows you that like I don't know if they – statistically have the most I would bet they do it didn't feel as important as just like the impact that the counties had and just the incredible amount of names it you know I'd be hard-pressed to see if there was another county that had as many what is um first of all where exactly is Prince George's County and what's it look like who lives there just what do you know about the place well it's in it's in Maryland um the highways and stuff it's off of um again i should know offhand but i don't um it's about 10 miles east of dc right yeah um and there's very very it's a very big county um and there's a very wealthy population and then there's a very very poor population and there's more parks in that county than any other place in the country that's i know for a fact there's over 400 basketball courts and parks and that clearly plays a big part 
in just how prevalent basketball was. Um, so it's like you literally are going from this wealthy suburban area and within seconds, you know, similar to like being in a major metropolis city, you're in a very underserved community. And the one common denominator is this like abundance of basketball courts and rec centers and community centers. And because the weather was bad there and the crime during the crack epidemic was so bad that there were so many rec centers built in community centers, you know, like boys and girls clubs would very localize, you know, these things were, you know, Kevin talks about his first goal was to be the best player in his rec. Like that was really goal one. Then it was right. like to be the best player in all the recs around PG County. And like the rec centers was like, Oh, guess who's playing in this one? Oh, that's Ty Lawson. And you know, this guy, Jamar board who ended was like a street legend there who ended up losing his life. But then it was like, Oh, Michael Beasley and Nolan Smith and Kevin Durant are on that team. And they were just playing at these small rec centers. You know, at one point, um, one of the AU teams, the younger teams, I think it was Jerry and Grant says they had six NBA players on their team. I mean, right. it's outlandish. So, you know, the that crazy the- thing too, Sorry to add on to that, Rich, like one of my favorite parts of, of the fact that you guys are going down this road is that hopefully it gets more into Kevin's upbringing, Kevin's story. And I think people still don't realize how much of a late bloomer he was. You know, you're talking about a guy who in middle school and he and I talked about this years and years ago, he quit like seventh grade. He tells, you know, his godfather, Terrace Stink Brown, that he's out. He was tired of working as much as, you know, Terrace was pushing him, pushing him, pushing him. But by the time he went to high school, he wasn't getting, as you know, wasn't getting recruited by the top high schools in the area, wasn't getting the notice. And then, you know, a couple of years later, he sprouts up and things are different. But I mean, he, he was one of those grinders who had to push his way through. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I just thought about this right now. There, there was a moment in Kevin's like in that like middle school area. He was playing for the D.C. Jaguars, I think it was the PG Jaguars. PG Jaguars. And he yeah. kept winning. He kept winning MVP at every like you know, nationwide, um, you know, competition, but then the DC assault, which were like the big, um, AAU program within the community started taking off and Curtis Malone was running that organization. And that's where Michael Beasley went. And it's where I think, um, you know, all the depot was and the grant brothers and Nolan Smith, Kevin stayed on his local team, the Jaguars, which is so funny if you think about it, because, <laughs> everybody's constantly uh, in, in perpetuity going to give him a hard time about leaving. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't bail. That's what, you, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know that, that, so I think that he didn't get a certain amount of recognition and attention maybe as much because he was still staying in his local like community um, rec center and playing. Right. Um, but he also did a lot from what, you know, I picked up in the movie and it's like, you know, you can learn something about someone who you speak to five times a day. And I did from watching some of this footage, which was just that like Kevin was really like laser focused on him and his skill set and honing his craft. So right. there was probably a time where he was working so hard, but maybe not getting as much national attention because he wasn't exposing himself in all the, like the biggest national platforms. But really he was like, learning how to become a, a assassin, you know, on his right. Um, he talks about that. Him and Michael Beasley, him and Bees have an incredible moment where Bees is like, yo, when I was like 12, I just started getting 30 rebounds a game, kicking that shit to KD. And he was just pulling from 40. Like it was nothing. Right. Right, and Kevin right. talks about like, he just didn't really know everything to do. So he just got locked in on scoring. 
It's funny watching the last dance last night, guys, we get into Mike and that competitiveness rich that you're kind of alluding to with, with Kevin and the idea that guys at that level, a lot of times they might even fabricate, you know, kind of the haters, so to speak in their heads to motivate them. And when Kevin was young, his mom told me a story back in the day about how one of those coaches on one of the other AAU teams wasn't giving him the time of day. It might've been a high school coach, but that it had crushed Kevin It hurt Kevin. And like that became fuel for the fire as he was kind of finding his way. Um, it just still blows me away that, I mean, size wise, obviously he was slight as could be, uh, you know, started learning how to shoot that thing and, and make his way. But, but he wasn't always getting love, you know, in the beginning. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it is interesting. It's like you see him skill set wise and it feels like he probably should have had the same hype and hysteria of like LeBron uh, who else? Like even Zion type hype and hysteria, or what you hear about Amadi Bates now, but he just wasn't that guy. Like you just even like an OJ Mayo him. type when he was coming out. Yeah, 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 exactly. What's the, uh, the the process? I mean, when you're talking about being a few days away from the release of a doc, um, you know, or, and because we're all kind of stuck at home, are you doing these types of things to get the word out there? Um, you know, how are you feeling overall about the? You know, you put a lot of time into putting this thing together and then the actual presentation and rollout of it. Yeah, I mean, Showtime's been great. And you see Showtime's really got a big footprint in basketball right now in general. Like the All the Smoke podcast is killing it. Um, and they they really they were really good partners and distributors. You know, we have some projects where you hand the film over, hand this, this show over, um, right. and some people that really, like, push you and challenge you. And Showtime really gave us – incredible feedback. They really pushed the project. I think, you know, we went and sought things out to make it better based on where they thought things were missing. Um, and then they've done a good job promoting it. And we'll, you know, we have a nice machine and ecosystem to, to get the buzz out. I have Oladipo and Quinn Cook as executive producers. So they'll be doing quite a bit of press this week. Um, we're going to go live on the boardroom on Friday night and have all the PG guys, you know, calling and interacting with each other, which should be fun. Cool. And have, you yeah. know, Quinn will host it, but then like Katie will call in and Oladipo will call in and, you know, we'll see who we can get on the phone. So, right. you know, we should, it should be good. I mean, I think ultimately the, the best response to this would be if people in PG County like it, because, right. you know, we had a film, a cue ball on, um, that's that was on good. Netflix. It's been out for a year and it didn't really start getting its due to the last like month. So nowadays it's not as much about, you know, do we get that big bang Friday night? You know, the last dance is an anomaly, but right. are we going to get like some sustained audience and people that are enjoying it and talking about it? And I think, you know, I, hopefully we will. And I think that starts with like people back home where Kevin's from really loving it. Yeah. There's right. uh, I mean, we're in a, a day and age where the night almost doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Not like, yeah. Uh, so that's good. I, I, so I would watch, um, I would watch a documentary just about Kevin. Um, and obviously there's all kinds of guys in this, right? I mean, you're talking just some of the names that you listed off. I I wanted to know what is it that we're going to see from a footage perspective? Did you have to go back into like, look for people who had high school, uh, footage of these guys? I mean, what, what, from, from where did you draw the footage that we're going to see? From yeah, us? no, that's, it's funny. Um, I showed it to my wife yesterday, um, who, you know, truthfully doesn't pay much attention to like, you know, cause it's like, if I do an interview with, uh, 
Michael Rubin on the boardroom, you know, she doesn't need to see every bit of content that we're creating every day, but there's some things, um, that like, I really want her to sit down and give me like a different opinion on like a more of a layman's opinion and someone that like probably is not the core audience to tune into this outside of like her husband producing it. Right. So I showed it to her and it was the footage that these directors, we had first time directors that came to us originally. It was um, these guys from PG County who were passionate about this project and it wasn't as polished as it should have been the sizzle reel that they brought us. But that was our job to go and and make sure we made a great doc out of it. But what they did have was this like incredible supply of footage that they went back to the library and did like what I would assume is like, and I'm sure you guys have done this in your careers, like real research, you know, like not just like Google and pull, but like really diving deep into the research. And you see like drills that Morgan Wooten was running on his players in the 50s. Um, it really, really like emotional and like in, in, in kind of impactful footage of them announcing on the loudspeaker when Martin Luther King was assassinated. You know, there was just no way to communicate information back then. So like to see that in D.C. showed you what went on in D.C. and then how people then broke out into the suburbs of PG County to get away from the hysteria that was going on within the city. Um footage of Lem Bias, footage of Kevin at 11 years old, you know, that we were able to get from family or just from like, you know, the, everything in the county is, it's basketball. So it's at every, you call this guy, oh, he's got this video. He's got this video from the Goodman. So these guys did a really good job of just like accumulating all of it. There's some, um, you know, like watching the news story break when Len Bias passed or when Curtis Malone was brought up on charges and, Hearing those things again, you know, I think some of these docs now, the access is so great that right. some of like the more traditional kind of true like documentary footage that like you like associated with docs we saw when we were younger really worked in this film. You know, like it wasn't just like NBA guys like in the beginning, Kevin and I were thinking like, man, we need more footage of hooping. But the directors did push us a bit to realize that like the full color of it was important. And there's even a scene about like how um, Beasley took Nolan Smith to a go-go club for his first time. You know, go-go music is so big in DC and they start talking about what an influence it has on their game and how they have a different way of saying hesitation. And it's based on a Google, uh, on a, uh, on a YouTube, I'm on a, on a go-go move. And um, then they show, we cut to like Katie and Ty Lawson doing this move that they connect back to like go-go music and it's incredible like to see that mm -hmm. footage and like bouncing back and forth. So, you know, I was impressed with the stuff they pulled and it worked for this film. So with last dance, um, as we know, like, and you made the joke earlier, it's over five weeks. It's two episodes a night. So we're talking about 20 hours of a documentary that's, and it's been edited down from whatever. And still, it's supposed to be about one team, but it's mostly about Michael. We can agree to that. Yeah. Um, and as I said, like, I mean, to me, you know, Kevin Durant is, I mean, I would watch anything about him. Um, but it doesn't seem to me like this documentary is really just about him. And it's kind of about all these guys. So the question that I have for you was, how did you make, how did you make the decision to edit this, to make the edits that you had to make? And, and how did you kind of whittle this? all down about all these dudes into, you know, one, two or three hour 
event? Yeah. Well, I try to, I try to lately, I've been really focused on trying to like step outside of the project we're working on. So you can understand how important it is to everyone else. Meaning that like you, when you're in the middle of it, you can think what you're working on is the most important thing in the world. So you're like, yo, we need more of this. We need more of this. People have to see this. People have to see this. And you end up with a two hour documentary on PG County that, you know, it's unfortunately no one's going to want to watch that. That's just the reality. So we really tried to make it something that was like an easy watch. It's a little less than an hour. Um, and KD is a part of it because he is the best basketball player to come from the county. And he is also influential in so much of this last generation. And it ties so closely into three or four other guys, which shows the like, the bond that they have and how it runs into the league to this day. So you feel Kevin's presence throughout, but there's good portions of the film where it's like, Oh, I'm not watching a Kevin Durant doc. Like I'm really not. I'm watching a great doc on PG County. And there's people like Quinn Cook's story and Quinn Cook in general is just like such an incredible person. And he's infectious to want to be around and listen to stories about. So, you know, he played a part in it the different figures in basketball and then hearing Kevin comment on it was, it's like you keep Kevin in it to some regard throughout, but it's also about them. But there is a real part at the end about Kevin's speech. And that again, like I said earlier, it kind of reinforces the full circle of like all these things that happen from the County, but would any of them even have known if Katie didn't get to where he was, you know, and it, that kind right. of thing that you get. Rich, let's hit the rewind button real quick. And it's funny because something you just said, when you're doing a doc, you have to think about the, the wider audience, right? So in that vein, as we sit here talking with you, even though we have this like, you know, hoop-centric, hardcore style podcast, for anybody who doesn't know your story and kind of how you and Kevin got together, I don't know where you want to start. But I mean, you know, one minute you're working with Rock Nation, running with guys like Jay-Z and, and you're on the music side of things. And I forget all the details therein when it comes to you connecting with Kevin. And so now, I mean, even sitting here talking about this doc, you know, so much of what you do is your partnership with him. I mean, that is the kind of transition we don't often see. Uh, yeah. Take us through that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I started, I was, uh, a, one thing that's been consistent throughout is that I've been like a sports fanatic since I was born. Um, I was a New York sports fanatic. I knew everything about the Knicks from as far back as I could remember I followed sports like it was the Bible um, and I wanted to be around it and I wanted to be somebody and be regarded. I was always kind of like obsessed with being really regarded and, and successful in business um, and liked the, the energy that I felt when I was in like the garden I would watch people schmoozing around courtside. I wanted to, I was like, if I can't play, I want to be all up in this mix down here. But I didn't work that hard as a kid. I just like tried to hit home runs and I just tried to swing for the fences all the time. And right. I was very connected. I always leaned on making a network and, and keeping that network close to me and having as many people to learn from and build with. But there was no real entry point for me into sports as a kid. And the first entry point in and kind of like my entrepreneurial endeavors was to do music on a show called The Life on ESPN. And I figured I would get into sports. What really happened from there was I went into a 10, 12 year business in music. But what I learned, all the deal making, the managing of talent, 
the kind of building of a brand, um, the patience that comes with it, and also just how to learn all the different verticals of the entertainment business, media, um, brand, and advertising, investing, all of that I started to learn. And I was at Rock Nation and being you know, able to watch and witness this like incredible once in a generation talent and business mind in Jay-Z. And it just reinforced the fact that I wanted to have my own business one day. I really wanted to build something and build something that I could use all my skills. And I was able to fortunately move into sports at Rock Nation and let go of an entire music industry career I'd built. And that was because these guys supported me at Rock Nation. I was lucky. And when I did that, it all made sense. Like everything I had learned to that point, business-wise, all the kind of network that I had um, continued to build upon. When it was sports that I was speaking about and contracts and collective bargaining and sneaker deals, and I just knew what I was talking about. I mean, from the minute I walked into like basketball gyms in OKC my first time, I could talk to media writers. I could talk to people because I've been reading sports my whole life, been reading the sports section of every newspaper my whole life. So it all really clicked. And I had known KD since his rookie year because being in music, it was all very connected. And I was in the right rooms and I was meeting people and staying in touch with people. And Kevin and I stayed in touch, you know, and that's the way it works. And it was timing in life. He was at a transition in his career professionally about eight years ago. And we brought him into Rock Nation. I think what Kevin loved about um, that situation was it was Jay-Z. He trusted me. It was a company that was making such an impact in the world and doing things differently than anyone else. And that was appealing to Kevin. And it was awesome. But at the end of the day, that desire that I had to ultimately have my own business and my own enterprise and Kevin's same desire because you're watching your peers like LeBron start and build these empires so early in their career, you know, when the time was right and when it made sense, we went and we decided to build 35 Ventures. What it was going to be, we had no idea. I think we thought we would just do stuff authentic to us. And it started with tech investing and then creating a YouTube channel. And now it's just kind of been... Uh, evolved into a full media business and, um, you know, in the boardroom platform being like our baby. Well, within that too, to me, it's like, listen, some of your platforms, uh, there's an element and tell me if you disagree of, of controlling the story and having, you know, the guy's voice be direct when it comes to the way that their story is framed. And I, and so I think about you and the fact that when you and Kevin started connecting on a day-to-day basis, was right about when his story got incredibly interesting. And so I wonder here, we're sitting here in, in May 2020, in general, Rich, how are you feeling about the, the way Kevin's story is being told from the standpoint of, you kind of alluded to it earlier, you know, everything that came with his choice to go to the Warriors, you and I kind of lived that thing together. I'm a West Coast-based national writer, and I'd see you all the time at the gym, and, and those storylines never went away. And then the choice to go to Brooklyn, which has a ripple effect, you know, on you in the day-to-day life too. I mean, you were splitting time coast to coast, you know, trying to, to be there for him during the Warriors experience. I mean, where's your head at when it comes to the, the way folks have discussed Kevin's story now? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that Kevin, um, I'm happy with it because he's doing what he wants to do. Um, and you know, not everybody in this world gets that, uh, ability, it's a very incredible situation and position to be able to be in. And he worked for it. He worked hard for it. Um, so, you know, if he was regretful of things in his life or wasn't able to find um, 
success in the things that he's chosen to do, then we would, I would want to talk to him as a friend, as a business partner, as, a, as his manager and say, okay, you know, you know, what do you want to do? Like that didn't work or this didn't work. Um, or, you know, you don't want to be here, but none of that's happened. He's never regretted decisions. I think he feels like, um, his experience in the Bay was incredible. I mean, he went to three finals, won two finals MVPs, formed an incredible set of relationships for life there, has incredible friends there. So that situation was awesome. And he got to go to New York where he wanted to play and, <laughs> and play for an organization that he was um, that he was interested in being a part of. And he's playing with a player that he wanted to play with. And he did it his way. And he chose where he wanted to be. And his business he owns it. Him and I own the business outright. We don't have investors and we're achieving success. And it's exactly what we're doing. It's, we're doing what we wanted to do. And he's not shy about being who he is. So if anything, I think, you know, I couldn't be happier with where he's at in his life. And he's con- never sounded more content. Um, I think people have fully started to universally, like, just acknowledge how incredible he is. Like, it's so special for me as a fan of his too, because I get more caught up in some of these rankings and things than he does, which is that like, he's creeping into these conversations and he's still got a long way to go. You know what I mean? Right. So you're starting to see his name in like second best small forward of all time, top 15, top 10, top whatever. And people putting him in different lists and the young guys putting him in lists. And I love that because um, while it means nothing but chatter, that's what we all live for. That's what we were born on. That's what we, you know, that's what we look forward to as sports fans. And I think it's well-deserving. So I think, uh, you know, across the board, outside of the world being completely shut down uh, and his fears about that, just like all of us as humans, you know, I, I think I couldn't be happier, ask for a better situation for us to be in and him to be in. Do you consider him a client? No. Uh, well, yes, in this regard, in the, in the regard that like, I never forget that I'm his manager first. So like if something was great for our company, but he didn't want to do it or something was great for our company, but it was not the right thing for him, then that goes first, that comes first. Um, and in that regard, then it's a client because I work for him. You know what I mean? I like legitimately work for him in that way. And I'm proud of that. And I want to hold that part of my job up first and foremost, you know? So, you know, that word client, it's the same feeling I have about like agent. I just don't, I don't know. It just has a bad connotation. Maybe it's from the movies. Um, But in terms of like, if you ask me to describe one adjective first, it would be my friend. I mean, you know that when we're, we're like legitimately you know, we're family. And, you know, when you get the ability to work with people that you feel that way about, um, and that you're that close to, then, you know, it's, it makes it all that much better. And I'll tell you, and I'm sure it's similar to for you guys to some degree, we're really lucky that we are busy working in the middle of this quarantine, where without our work, we'd probably go crazy. Without our work, we would, um, you know, we would have, we have very little kind of uh, to do, you know what I mean? Like what are you doing during these times? And the fact that our work involves sports and talking and creating, you know, we're all lucky. So, um, you know, I think it's, I I think that like 
the only time I want to make sure that Kevin remembers that I'm his manager first is if I hear hesitation in his voice when we're talking about something, I'm like, you don't have to do this. You know, like I never forget to say that because I want him to realize that I'm, I know how I got this opportunity. I know how, you know, him believing that I could build a business for us, the two of us, um, and him giving me that opportunity and him allowing me to be a voice for it too. You know, I'm very outspoken and I, and I talk as you see, mm-hmm. um, the fact that he encourages that I don't want to ever take that for granted. So I, I want him to realize that like, yo, I'll put all that aside. And if we got to book a last minute flight for mom to be grandma, like that's my job too. Like I'm, I'm not trying to like refer to myself as anything else, but your manager when you need me. So Kevin is, he's outspoken. We know that. Do you agree with everything he says? Uh, no, but, um, no, I don't, well, no. Well, obviously short answer. No, that would be like, that can't even, that wouldn't happen, but I don't, I've never been like, um, I, in terms of basketball, we share a similar mindset and he's taught me so much. Um, like I thought I knew basketball and I thought I knew the game and tell me if I'm wrong, but like you can learn so much when you're talking to professional athletes about, Oh, for sure. I mean, it's like, you're listen. one of my favorite things when, and Kevin doesn't go there that often, but in those few times when we've seen him let the, the kind of the guard down, let pull the curtain back and let you inside his basketball mind, you, you quickly get reminded how little, you know, compared to guys like that. Totally. It's like when you hear NFL coaches talk and you're like, oh, they just went to a different language now. (laughs) Exactly. You just don't know what they're saying. Um, So I've learned a lot about basketball from him. So from a basketball standpoint, I'm like, it's almost like I'm part of, I'm a disciple of his thought process basketball wise. So like, I do see where he's coming from basketball wise. Um, But no, like, you know, we don't agree on everything. But I think the things that you guys hear probably are things that we're probably in line with. But we disagree about like, like to what I was just saying about being his manager. I don't not put up a fight for things that I want him to do that he doesn't want to do. Right. Like mm-hmm. if I'm like, we should do this. This is an incredible spot. I look this, this. And he's like, not nah, ain't me. If you say it's not me, I got to give up. But if you want to have a conversation about it, and right. you're like, nah, why? I'll fight it. But ultimately, that's where I'm a manager and, and become deferential and not like, yo, it's my company too, because I know how we got here. You know, I know how we got here. Um, but, you know, when he says things on social media, there's not really an opinion to have of it. You know, it's like, I enjoy it. I honestly enjoy it. I know the mindset he's coming from when he's doing it, so I enjoy it. If I thought he was at home throwing the remote against the wall and be like, how the could this guy say this about me? And I'd be like, yo, you got to chill out. But none of that exists. It's like done with a smile. It's done with this like kind of real practical thought of like, well, hold up. Isn't that what social media is for? Like this kid is challenging something about basketball. I feel like I know the right answer. Let me, let me go back at it. He's not going at people about things outside of basketball for the most part, you know, Mm -hmm. or if like Jalen Rose says the thing he said the other day and Kevin writes, like, what would you um, average back to Jalen Rose? He's not talking shit to Jalen Rose. He's not mad at him. He's, 
It's just how you read the context you read it in. And, and he's just like, that's, he enjoys that, man. He enjoys right. that. Um, so yeah, I mean, not really, but when we're homies and we're hanging out, like, yeah, I'll disagree with a lot of things. All my friends say. So Rich, one thing that he didn't respond to, and I'm curious what your perspective is on, <clears throat> and don't like, I'm not trying to go back down the Warriors road, but, but this is recent and this is, Draymond's been talking a lot lately and you and Draymond have a good relationship. I have no reason to think that's changed. You guys were pretty tight all the way through that Warriors experience. And, and, and I keep thinking to myself, man, I wonder what is going through Kevin's mind when he hears Draymond talk about the free agency aspect and not even necessarily the Warriors story. Here, here's the question. When you hear a high profile player like Draymond uh, essentially saying, uh, and I understand the emotional part of it on his side, but saying that he believes that, that Kevin should have given them a heads up going into that final year about what he was going to do. It's to me, it's a fascinating conversation because you have two layers of it. You have the Warriors situation and everything that was unique to it, which obviously that's the filter that Draymond's going to look at it through. Then you have kind of the macro discussion about that. I try to remember is let's not forget that this is free agency. And, and obviously every player has a right to decide what they want to do when that time comes. I was a little surprised that he went down memory lane like he did a couple of times. Uh, how did that hit you? And, and what's your view there? Um, well, look, I think Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, and I'm, you guys can attest to this as interviewers, they did a great job because they got him to talk about the experience in great detail for a long period of time, you know? So I think, um, I don't think Draymond got on that show with the intention of being like, let me dive deep into the final year of um, Kevin's tenure with the Warriors. I think that they got into a conversation. Um, That being said, you know, I think that it was probably one of those things where there's just so much conversation around um, there has been so much conversation around the Warriors. There's been so much conversation around what happened with um, Kevin and um, Draymond in L.A. And, you know, I think maybe Draymond, I think he said once in the interview, uh, you know, I didn't really speak much this year. And, and because of what happened with the Warriors this year, when Steph being hurt and them just not being on big national televised games and the season getting cut short, Draymond wasn't as visible. So he wasn't talking about things as much. And I think all that aligned up to a conversation being had. And in the conversation, Draymond was getting things off his chest that he felt he needed to do. And from a point of view that he feels like is, um, you know, is that is I don't want to say accurate, but is uh, it's how he sees it. Right. This is how he sees everything. Right. My feeling is that um, that's over with now, what Draymond said. It really definitely doesn't matter what I think. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't think Kevin has thought about it since that day. Um, when you put it up against everything going on in this world and the timing of it, it was kind of like, all right, you know, I, I see how he feels. Um, but I also know that, like, emotions make – Certain things come out certain ways. It's not always representative of exactly how you feel or what you want to say. And I'm not like double talking this. I'm not trying to, I'm just like trying to be really 
cognizant of like, like I don't even, I don't, Kevin and I haven't spoke about it since that day. You know what I mean? And, you know, I don't necessarily agree with the, uh, he should have let us know because it's nothing's as black and white as that. Like, um, it, 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 you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. He didn't know at certain times. You go back and forth on how you feel. Everybody does. Like throughout a course of a season, like you're going to make a declaration on something when you really don't know how you're going to feel. You don't know anything. You know, look right. what happened to him in the finals. No one knew any of this, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So just think about how that would have played into effect. Imagine if uh, if people were like, oh, well, Kevin said earlier in the year he's not coming back. And then the way they would be talking about it is, I mean, all of that, when you really break it down, made no sense. And he didn't know. You know, right. Um, and also, I think that uh, I also think that, you know, when you reference like when you looked at the, his reference to Scotty Pippen, he said he totally understood what Scotty was doing by sitting out until um, whenever he sat out because of his contract. Right. I mean, listen, the Bulls won the championship that year, but none of that was he's like you could see from watching it phil knowing it was phil's last year did not make it easier on them all it did was make them ask mike every single day about whether it was his last year scotty's sitting out till february all that did was make them ask mike every day about how he felt about it so not quite sure it was actually easier on the 98 bulls because everyone knew what they were in for Right. You know, so like, let's say Kevin did say that in the beginning of the year, which again, he didn't know. Um, but let's say he did say that. How would that have been easier on anybody? That would have been question after question after question after question. Right. Nothing right. would have went away. They had KD damn near signed on the Knicks already. And I was going to be the GM already. So that was all untrue. So it's like you couldn't avoid any of it anyway. So, you know, I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think that, listen, people have different emotions at different times. Like you said, I have been friends with Draymond for a while now. Um, So it is what it is. And nobody's losing sleep over it. It's over. It's just, you know. It was a lot of info. Now, my my recollection (laughs) of this could be, it could be wrong, but I, I think I'm right. The sentiment that Kevin had kind of always given at the start of last season was like you're saying either I don't know or I might not come back. He acknowledged that that there is some question to this. Whereas LeBron, when he was here his last year on media day, um, I basically had asked him like, listen, before you said that your intention was to retire here, is that still your intention? And he said, yes. And we all agreed, everyone knew that he was either going to leave or he might, but he never said that. And at least Kevin, at the time, readily acknowledged that this this might be it. And I feel like where things really spun out of control was that night in L.A. Like if, if everybody had just kind of kept it together that night in L.A., maybe it, it wouldn't have been as big of a circus as as it was. I just think, I don't know that there's anything for you to respond respond to here other than it's just that situation was always going to be somewhat hard to manage no matter what you said. And at least Kevin acknowledged from the start, I don't know what's going to happen. here. Well, and I think to, to react to what Rich said too, I think I probably agree with you, Rich, that what you're hinting at with Draymond is 
<clears throat> if you got three scenarios here, if you're Kevin, I'm going to, I'm going to just play it like I did, which is just leave it alone and leave every option open. And then we'll figure it out in the following summer. Or I'm going to essentially tell you internally that I'm kind of, I'm coming back. I'm here for the long haul or that I'm out. Only one of those three probably doesn't lead to friction, probably doesn't lead to issues. Only unless he said, I'm here and I'm part of this for the long haul, I think, what it had not caused the issue. That's the part I don't think Draymond has addressed as he's broken this thing down. Because if he tries to say that he'd be fine with that, he might believe it. I'm not sure I do. I think that, you know, that would have maybe created a, a landscape where now you feel like a guy's not with you. Um, but listen, we don't need to keep going down there. Let's spin it forward a little bit because as we watch the last dance, and we'll let you get out here pretty soon, brother. I appreciate you doing this. I think it also reminds us, uh, you know, how short the window is for these athletes and how much when it comes to the best of the best, you know, time matters a lot. And as this pandemic keeps going on, I'll be honest, I keep, you know, this doesn't matter nearly as much as, as folks whose lives have been crushed forever. And, and this is way, way, way down the list. But when you have players like LeBron and Kevin, you know, and Steph and all the way down the line sitting on the sideline during their primes, that just, it sucks. You know what I mean? Like, and, and Kevin obviously is still coming back from the Achilles. Um, and, and so now we have two things. We have the question, which you've addressed a couple times, other places about when are we going to see him again? And then even farther out from there, you just had the general idea that, that I'm dying to see, you know, what this next stage of his career looks like as he tries to keep building on, on what he's already done. Um, to whatever degree you feel like Sharon, start at the beginning, like, okay, you know, the timeline is all jacked up now because of the season being suspended. So people have been wondering, is he going to be in the playoffs? It doesn't sound like you think that would be the case. Uh, you know, how is he doing? Where do you see this starting? Uh, you know, and, and what's your view there? Um, well, I, I, I don't know when I see it starting in terms of the NBA. I'm, optimistic because I know that we have great leadership in the NBA and strong um, players in the player association that have a, you know, a real voice and a handle and are proactive, you know, in, in like CP and the rest of the guys that are, um, that are advocating on behalf of the player association. Um, and I think it's important that the season comes back and it's important for a lot of people um, obviously safety aside. Um, but I don't know, you know, and I don't know, like it's hard for me as a fan to understand how the season will in any way make you feel like you're watching last season, you know, what, what stopped right. in March. I don't know, right. you know, right. but I think it'll be important and it'll be this period. You know, it'll be this period in our world. And like, yeah, you're right. It's not ideal. It's not ideal that these guys are missing. But like you said, it's low on the list of issues in our world that we're dealing with. And I think everyone will adjust. The players will adjust. Maybe they'll get more years out of it. You know, these sure. guys are getting um, unexpected rest in their bodies and perspective, I would assume. And just, just a lot going on. In terms of Kevin, you know, I've said it in – every time I've been asked in, in out. And, and that's what I mean by, you know, you need a good partner in, in someone to allow their like manager at the end of the day to be out talking about this stuff. Um, but he, you know, he trusts me and I try to be as sensitive to the idea that like, um, I don't want to speak for him, but 
No, you know, it's, it's unrealistic. I think anyone should realize that um, when you're looking at just the circumstances and what he's coming back from. Um, but, you know, I, what I do know, though, is that like the idea that nothing will be the same. I'm one of those people that tend to feel like um, two months ago, I never, ever, as none of us could have imagined what we're in now. And why not have that same kind of feeling in that, you know what, the NBA will come back. Maybe the games will have no fans. Maybe the viewership experience will be better than we ever could have imagined. And we'll learn to sit there and really love games on a different level. And then when fans do come back, we'll appreciate what it's like to be back in a stadium and an arena. Um, so I'm of the mindset of that, you know, and I do know when that happens and um, and next year when there's a season, what I do know is that this time will have been great for KD. Um, right. uh, not obviously wanted, but, it, you know, I, I know you'll see as good, if not better, of a basketball player. Um, no different than, you know, you look at MJ's second tenure after he uh, went to play baseball and outside of like, he wasn't flying through the air the same. I mean, arg- he was arguably better those that last three-peat than the first three-peat, you know? So, right. What's he right. doing? Because um, he's still hurt. I mean, he's, you know, he's almost all the way back. But, I mean, team shut down two months ago now. So what's he doing to stay in shape and where? Uh, I mean, he's, you know, it's no different than every other guy. They got to just be resourceful and um, and – they're training and they're working out and they're getting reps. And obviously it's not in the traditional sense, but they're adjusting, you know, again, like in the list of things, like are people as in good a shape maybe as they would have been, obviously no, but you know, it's not like he's uh, doing what the rest of us are doing, which is just eating all day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, no, he's good. He's good. fine. Rich, we're going to get you out of here, man. We appreciate you doing this. Uh, you tweeted something the other day that got my attention, non-basketball related, which is that your kids are getting older and you can't handle it. So depressing. I feel you. Yeah. Like, so are you, I mean, are you soaking up that part of this experience? Are you guys getting any, you know, experiences and, and things that, that you wouldn't have had otherwise because of what's happening in the world? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just said to my, I took a walk yesterday with my wife and my two kids, which even that, like, those aren't things that we were all doing like that pre Corona, like a walk, you know? (laughs) Right. 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 um, And I was saying to them, like, we probably have more memories in the last two months um, than maybe in the last 10 years. And that doesn't clearly mean like, I wasn't like I was on the road checked out from my family. It's just, you know, the, the, the kind of like emphasis on, Oh, we're sitting down for dinner. Right. Uh, we're going to watch a movie tonight. We're going to take a walk. We're going to go to the store, you know, right. <laughs> like, right. You know, right. those kind of things that like we've really like doubled down on in our life. So it only made me realize like, damn, they're getting older. Like, right. So that's how, just, what are the ages now? They're only 10 and six, but you know, 10, 10 is like, you, you see it. You just see, you see where it's going at least. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. No, I'm with you. I mean, we got 14 and 11 uh, to your point about things that are not normal for what we do in our kitchen. We now have a, a newly installed day by day uh, eraser board with, with the dinner of the evening on the eraser. These, this did not happen ever. This was, exactly. you know, this was three games a week. If you're home, yeah. you know, jumping on a plane. Uh, so Try to enjoy it, man. Glad everybody's healthy. We do appreciate you doing this. You gave us a ton of time. 
Good luck with the doc, man. That Showtime's been killing it with all yeah. their projects. Yeah. Actually, the, the other night I watched uh, Ron Artest has a great one on Showtime, yeah, too. Yeah, that was awesome. No, for sure. So thank you, man. Talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks, Take Rich. Care. All right, Rich. Be good. Mm-hmm.